text 2 and 42, and uh, we're just going to finish here on this fourth pillar um, uh, in the, in the, that we've been looking at in this series. And uh, Acts 2.42, just this last pillar that I believe is crucial to the individual and to the corporate gathering of God's people, the fourth pillar of the Christian faith, and that's prayer. Acts 2, just that one verse there, Acts 2.42. Father, we pray for your blessing upon your word tonight and your anointing, Lord, both to preach and to hear your word, Lord. Glorify your name through the preaching of your word tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts 2 and 42, and it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, that's the word of God, and fellowship, and the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Just that verse again, these four pillars found in this verse, but the early church continued in steadfastly. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and fellowship, and in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. We know the Lord will bless the reading of his word. The hymn writer says, What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything, everything to God in prayer. The foundation, of course, is the Lord Jesus Christ. And in any structure, we need four pillars or four corners in modern times to support the whole building. We've looked at the Word of God, which is essential fellowship with each other, coming together as one body. The breaking of the bread, as in we looked at it both Wednesday and Sunday morning, in the servanthood of, of, of following the Lord's example. And now this fourth pillar this crucial part and this great privilege. It's a privilege to be able to pray. This is a spiritual house. As much as we meet together physically, the Bible says in 1 Peter 2 and 5, as lively stones, we are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 21 if you turn there to verse 12, Matthew 21, quite a lot of verses I want to look at tonight, but Matthew 21 and verse 12, concerning his house, this spiritual house, it tells us there in Matthew 21 and 12 that Jesus went into the temple of God, cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple, overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves, and said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called the house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. The house of prayer, a spiritual house. Jesus said, His house shall be called a house of prayer. I believe the most important thing, when we look at the subject, and it's quite vast, but when we look at the subject of prayer, there is one vital thing that every believer should know. I think Sister Ruth, uh, she just prayed it there. And that is that we have access to the throne of grace through the blood of Jesus Christ. That means anywhere in the world we are, in any situation we find ourselves in, whether it's north, south, east or west, the believer, 
the Christian, the born again, the blood washed, has access straight to the throne of grace. What an amazing privilege. That's a privilege. That's not a right that we have earned ourselves. It is a privilege that Christ has given us. We see this in Hebrews 4 and verse 14. If you just turn over, I know some of these verses are familiar, but just reading over them, it did come afresh to us tonight. But this is, I believe, the most important thing when we come to the subject of prayer that we all should know that we have access to the throne of grace. In Hebrews 4 and 14, it says these words, saying then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession, for we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, praise God, yet without sin. And then verse 16 says, Let us, because of this, because we have a great high priest, because Jesus has passed up into the heavens, then we're instructed, Let us, therefore, come boldly onto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. What an access the believer has to the throne of grace. Turning on over to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19. Hebrews 10, this is, I believe, the most important thing that we should know about prayer uh, before we come to the subject itself. It's our access to the throne of grace. Hebrews 10 and 19 says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest. We have boldness to enter into the holiest. Hi, It says by the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank God for the blood tonight. That's our only merits of entering to the holy of holies. It's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a new and a living way which he has consecrated for us. That's through the field. That is to say, his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. We have access. That's the most important thing that we need to know about prayer tonight that no matter where we are, how we feel, or what we think, that tonight as believers, as blood-bought, as Christians, as the blood-washed, there's been access open to us right to the very throne of grace. And Jesus, our great high priest, officiates over this spiritual house. In Ephesians 1, and this is good to know, verse 20, it's a great whole chapter of Ephesians 1, but this is important for us when we're bringing all the needs of the church before the throne of grace tonight, to know that he is seated. There is a man up in the glory. He has nail-pierced hands. He has overcome death, sin, and the grave, and all the powers of darkness, and he's ascending up on high. And it tells us in Ephesians 1 and 20, which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead, set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. And now this is important for us when we come to this throne. We're coming to him who sits on that throne. 
He's above all principality and all power and all might and all dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And he has put all things under his feet and give him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. What a place to come to. He is over everything. He reigns over all things. He reigns over all kingdoms, over all powers, and over all principality. And tonight, friend, regardless of what we think or feel, we have access to the throne of grace. This is the great privilege of prayer. God hears my prayer tonight because there is a man called Jesus in the heavens. Prayer is like breath to the soul. Prayer, Oswald Chambers said, is the work of the church. E.M. Bound said these words, Prayers outlive the lives of those that uttered them. Outlive a generation. Outlive an age. And outlive a world. The prayers that have been prayed by our fathers, our grandmothers and grandparents, our great-grandmothers and great-grandparents going back generations, friends. They have outlived them, but prayers are still being answered today that have been prayed for generations. It is an awesome thought to know that even loved ones that have departed this scene of time, who have prayed over children, grandchildren, prayed for nations and lands, counties and cities and churches, their prayers this very night, even though they have passed from this scene of time, end of eternity to be with the Lord, even tonight their prayers are still actively being answered by an almighty God. He's not limited to time. He's not limited to hours and minutes and days and months and years. But when that prayer goes up from the weakest of sin to the throne of grace, there's a man in the glory who ever liveth to intercede on our behalf and he both hears and he answers prayer. Prayer is the communication network of God. It outstrips all of what man can do and all his technology and all his advancement and everything of his networks, internets, social medias. There's still nothing like the network of prayer. Daniel prayed in Daniel chapter 10. If you turn back just into that chapter, Daniel chapter 10 and verse 2, it tells us there of Daniel in that time of prayer, Daniel 10 and verse 2 says these words. Daniel 10, I'll give you a minute to get there. Daniel 10 and 2. It tells us there that Daniel in those days was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. In verse 11, then there's the appearance of an angel. The angel of the Lord comes. In verse 11, and said unto him, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel. For from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten, before, chasten thyself before thy God, 
Listen to this from the first day that you prayed. Thy words were heard. And I have come for your words. Isn't it awesome? In those three weeks, or perhaps for you, it could be three months, or three years, or in some cases, 30 years, or even longer. But the first day that that prayer was prayed in faith to God, God heard that prayer, and the answer was on its way. I have come. Remember that great message of Brother Duke. I have come for thy words. R.A. Torrey said this, When the devil sees a man or a woman who really believes in prayer, who knows how to pray, and who really does pray, and above all, when he sees a whole church on its face before God in prayer, he trembles as much as he ever did, for he knows that his day in that church or community is at an end. Could I say that quote again? A man encourages, when the devil sees a man or a woman who really believes in prayer, who knows how to pray, and who really does pray, and above all, when he sees a whole church on its face before God in prayer, he trembles as much as he ever did, for he knows that his day in that church or community is at an end. In other words, his time's up. It seemed, when you read the early account of the church in the book of Acts, they were either going to, coming from, but certainly constantly engaged in prayer. The church was soaked in prayer. It was the engine room. It was the powerhouse. And everything seemed to happen as a result of prayer. Prayer, of course, is part of worship. And that's very important for us to grasp that it is part of worship. And the Bible tells us that the Father seeketh true worshipers that will worship Him in spirit and in truth. In other words, Jesus is looking. He's looking for worshipers, people that pray. William Law said, prayer is the nearest approach to God. Now just some verses that we want to go through. Luke's Gospel starting there tonight. And we're just going to work through some verses that speak of prayer. And you'll get a theme running through this concerning prayer. Luke chapter 21 and verse 36 says these words, Jesus speaking. Luke 21 and 36. Watch ye therefore, these are the words of the Lord, and pray always, that ye may be accounted worthy to escape, escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. He says, watch ye therefore and pray always. Just go back a few chapters in Luke chapter 18 when he's about to bring this revelation concerning prayer and persistent prayer. Just that opening verse of Luke 18. He spake a parable unto them to this end that men... Always, ought always to pray and do not faint. Are you, are you just following the theme here of prayer? Luke 18 verse 1. That men ought always to pray and not faint. And we move over into the book of Acts. At the beginning of the church, Acts chapter 1 and verse 14. Says these words. 
These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. In the ministry and in the life of Jesus, Jesus set us an example of prayer. No one like Jesus in communion with his Father. At the beginning of the church, the church continued in one accord in prayer. And 1 Thessalonians, turning over chapter 5 and verse 17, just three words in this little verse, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17, but it continues the theme of what we're picking out tonight on the subject of prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says these words, Pray without ceasing. Philippians 4 and verse 6, just follow these verses, building up just the whole picture and the instruction, the pattern, the example set by Jesus, the pattern in the New Testament church. Philippians 4 and verse 6 says these words, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication, that's request, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. But in everything, by prayer, without ceasing, always to pray, not faint. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 10 through to 13, we're instructed here, Romans 12 and verse 10 through to 13, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love, in honor, prefer one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, and distributing to the necessity of the saints given to hospitality. In the great chapter on warfare, Ephesians chapter 6, and verse 18, this, this last verse in this little section, but Ephesians 6 and 18, I think you should pick out the pattern that we're following tonight. Ephesians 6 and 18, it says these words, praying always with all prayer. Some translations say all kinds of prayer because there are different kinds of prayer, but that is not where we're going tonight. It's just to encourage us to pray. I believe the best way to get an education on prayer is not to talk about it, but just to pray. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. The Amplified says it this way, with all prayer and petition, pray with specific requests. That's why when it comes to the time of prayer, never think that you're boring anyone or certainly, you're certainly not boring God when it comes to the time of request. You may have mentioned it before. Never feel that you're an inconvenience or you've mentioned it before and you shouldn't do it again. But make your petitions known. Pray with all prayer and petition. Praying with specific requests at all times, on every occasion and in every season, in the Spirit. And with this infused, stay alert with all perseverance and petition, interceding in prayer for all of God's people. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, 
and in prayer. It's the channel of blessing. It's individual and it is also corporate. It is the secret of power. It is the secret of life from above. What was the secret of Christ's wonderful ministry? It was that he prayed. What was the secret of the early church's expansion and power? It was simply, simply that they prayed. Prayer must be made. It must be made. It's not an option in the warfare of this day. In the day of great battle for us to pull back from the place of prayer. It is the hard fought battle to pray. It is the battle against us, whether it's through circumstances, struggles, principalities, powers, oppositions, how we feel, what we think. But we've just gone through a whole array of verses that we're to pray always, whether it's in season or whether it's out of season. We need to settle the great struggle between doubt, doubting and believing. The battle between fear and faith must quickly be won. The war between the flesh and the spirit must be overcome. And the church, again, collectively and individually, we must pray. Corrie ten Boom said these words, Is prayer your steering wheel or your spur tire? Is prayer your steering wheel or your spur tire? Pray without ceasing. Pray without wavering. Pray expecting the answer. Pray with thanksgiving. Pray with the right heart with your brothers and sisters. But we need to pray. John Wesley said, God will do nothing but an answer to prayer. Now we think about that statement. It's an awesome statement. God will do nothing but an answer to prayer. It was the prayer meeting that Pentecost came. And it's always been a prayer meeting that every great revival that has ever swept these lands and across this world has been because people got into a place with God in prayer. And we find in Acts chapter 4 and verse 31, if you turn over to it after the great outpouring at Pentecost, the church had found itself in a great difficulty, opposition, politics, religion. It seemed at the very beginning that the enemy would do everything to stop them, to thwart them, to quash them, to prevent them from preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But in Acts chapter 4 and verse 31, it says these words, And when they had prayed, the place was shaking where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. When the troubles come, when the trials come, when the opposition came, the church just got together and prayed, and then the place was shaken over a prayer meeting that shakes the place. Peter was locked up. If you turn over to Acts chapter 12 and verse 5, they take Peter, one of the leaders, they put him in prison. In Acts 12 and 5, it says, Peter therefore was kept in prison. But then it says these words, prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. In verse 7 it says these words, The prayer's gone up. Jesus is in the heavens at the right hand of God. The church made prayer for Peter. In verse 7 it says these words, And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him. A light shined in the prison, smote Peter on the side, 
raise them up, arise up quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. The power of prayer. There is a man up in the glory whose ear is open to this prayer meeting tonight, to this wee hall, to this small gathering of people, if we grasp the reality and the privilege of prayer. It was tough times that Paul and Silas faced, but if you turn to Acts chapter 16, they were beaten, they were imprisoned, it didn't look too good, the odds were stacked against them, it didn't look that they were going to make it, But in Acts 16, verse 25, I don't know whether Paul said to Silas or Silas said to Paul, but it doesn't really matter because this is what it says. And at midnight, Paul and Silas, they prayed and they sang praises unto God. The prisoners heard them, but thank God not only did the prisoners hear them, a man up in the glory heard them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. Lord, do it again. Break the spiritual bands. Open the spiritual doors. Set the prisoner free. But friends, it's when men and women prayed and sang praises to God. The devil flees when he sees the weakest of saints on their knees. William Kuyper said that. The devil flees. You don't feel very strong. You don't feel very great. But let me tell you, friends, the devil flees when the weakest of saints gets on his knees and begins to pray. Why? Because he's access to the Almighty God right to the throne of grace. There's something about a prayer meeting that God delights to attend. God likes to go to prayer meetings. I'm going to say it again. God likes to go to prayer meetings. God likes to turn up at the prayer meeting. God likes to visit the prayer meeting. God attends. In that prayer meeting, in that gathering, something wonderful happens in the spiritual dynamic. In Matthew 18 and verse 19, it says these words, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done of them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, Jesus said, there am I in the midst of them. Have you got a prayer request tonight? Have you got a great need tonight? In the depths of your heart, there's a great request that's pressing on your life, in your home, in your family. Then when you come to a prayer meeting, what I'm looking for is to find someone who'll agree with me on earth and bring this prayer request before the throne of grace. For where two or three agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it's going to be done for them. In other words, that's the reason why we meet to pray. Because we agree together. When the requests are read out, or they're on this board, it's not to fill the time, or fill the board, or give someone on the computer something to do. But it's that we make an agreement together, for these great needs that are before us and bring them to the throne of grace. It tells us in Matthew 21, 22, and all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. I say that verse again. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing 
ye shall receive. Would you turn just over to James chapter 5, coming to a close, and then we'll pray. James 5 and 14 says these words. James 5 and 14. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 15 says that the prayer of faith shall save or deliver the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. If he's committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that ye might be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And this is under the Old Testament dispensation at that time. He prayed earnestly. Listen, the Bible just tells us he's a man just like you and me. That's simply what that means. Like passions. He's just like every other man or woman in this room. Made of the same stuff. But it says that he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. Not awesome. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain. And the earth brought forth her fruit. If under that Old Testament, a dispensation, we under the new covenant through Jesus Christ, having access to the Holy of Holies through the blood of Jesus Christ, isn't it an awesome thought that when we pray, Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father, access into the Holy of Holies to come boldly through the blood of Jesus Christ tonight. Is there any limitations that any of us should boot on our prayers? Surely tonight, it's simply the best thing to do as we close, is pray. Just pray. Whatever it comes, giving thanks, bringing your request, but just lifting that voice, whether it's weak, whether it's feeble, whether you don't feel like it, whether you do feel like it, whether you feel strong, whatever way you're feeling, but simply tonight to come to God and give Him thanks and just simply to pray. It's not all just simply to pray. Pray always. Pray with faith. Pray without wavering. Pray expecting. Pray with thanksgiving. But brothers and sisters, we need to pray. We just need to pray. Let's pray tonight and just lift our voices to the Lord. Bring our needs together.